Hello and welcome to the TICE podcast. This podcast is the audio-only version of our twice-weekly cybersecurity talk show, TICE Talk. The link to the news item, Microsoft, Russian SVR hacked at least 14 IT supply chain firms since May, can be found in the show notes. Our panel discussion on this episode is titled, How do you know if your sock is relevant? And the panellist details can also be found in the show notes. To join us live or to catch up with previous TICE Talk episodes, please visit www.tice.co.uk forward slash talk. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and uh, good afternoon to everybody or good morning or good night, good evening, depending on where you're dialing in from in these days of virtual events. It's another Tice Talk. It's 4 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday with me, Jeff White, your host. Uh, apologies to those of you who are expecting uh, Jenny Radcliffe, who's my usual co-host, uh, who hosts the Tuesday 4 p.m. slots. Uh, we've done a swapsy uh, this week, myself and Jenny, so I'm going to be doing uh, today's one and in a radical shake-up of events, uh, Thursday's one is going to be our guest host, Rene Millman, who's going to be hosting the Tice Talk at 4 p.m. So if you're tuning in at 4 p.m., do make uh, Rene welcome. Uh, they're going to be discussing uh, leading remote incident response and crisis simulation. Really uh, important topic. Um, so hello, welcome to our regulars. Welcome back. I see some of you are already in the chat saying hello. It's good to see you all. Uh, and if you're new to us here on TICE, welcome. Do help spread the word. We're every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. live. Uh, but also we've got all of our talks archived on the TICE website. So if you want to go back and have a look through them, we've discussed all of the key issues. We've discussed supply chain, we've discussed diversity, ransomware, AI and cybersecurity. It is all there with our top top panelists. Uh, and as ever on our TICE talk session, we have a TICE talk mug uh, to give away. One in better condition than this, by the way. Um, apparently there's new mugs coming. I keep being told that each week, but uh, no so far. Um, so we're going to give a uh, free Tice Talk mug away to our attendees today. Uh, today's challenge is, you may know, you may or may not know, you probably do know, I wrote a book. Here it is, crime.com. Um, I don't always keep a copy of my own book on my desk. The reason I kept a copy of the book on my desk today, though, was somebody did a review and they were a little critical of some things that they said I got wrong in the book, which I didn't. I'm not going to make a fuss about it. I haven't gone to Twitter, but I was thinking, hang on, I'm pretty sure I didn't say that. And no, it turns out I did not say the thing they said I said. Anyway, look, the reason I've drawn attention to this is obviously a subliminal attempt to boost my sales, but also I'm going to give away a free book, a free book, a free mug. Uh, the book has been translated. It's going to be translated into two languages, and I want you to guess which two languages it is, right? So uh, give it a go. If you get both the languages right, you're instant mug winner. If one of you gets one of the languages right, that could be like the runner up and we'll give the mug to that person. So guess which languages the book's going to be translated into. And I may give you some hints uh, as we go along. Um, but look, let's get to the task uh, in hand. Uh, We're going to be discussing uh, on today's uh, show. How do you know if your SOC, your Secure Operations Center is relevant? You might have one, you might have one in your organization, you might have a virtual one, but how do you know whether it's relevant? Because that's the key thing. What's the point if it's not? Uh, we've got a great panel uh, of people to be talking to us today. We're going to be welcoming from the US, Sajid Nassim, who's Chief Information Security Officer at the New Jersey Court, as in the courts that sentence people, etc. We've also got Steve Moore, who's Vice President and Chief Security Strategist at Exabeam, a uh, friend of the show he's been on before. Uh, but I want to welcome our first guest to talk to us now, Stefan Trelaw, who's Chief Information Security Officer at IG Group. Stefan, how are you doing? I'm good. Good afternoon, Jeff. 
Good, good. Thanks for that. Oh, by the way, we've had a couple of guesses on the languages, German and Mandarin, binary and German, Spanish and German. Uh, German isn't one of them. I'm going to say that. So none of those guesses have got it so far. Um, but there we go. Let's get to let's get to the topics in hand. Um, and Stefan, how's uh, firstly, actually, with IG Group, we should probably talk about that because it may not be familiar to some. Uh, what does what does the group do? What's uh, how big is it? Yeah, IG Groups is about 2000 people. It's in 17 countries um, worldwide. We're a, a, a fintech, um, started, started off with CFDs and binaries, um, and, and we're growing, widening our portfolio. Um, mm. It's a great company to work for. Um, I mean, I've been doing information security for nearly 28 years now, so showing my age a bit. But I think really working within a fintech is really stretching my limits. Um, mm. It's helping my development because it's, it's, it's not, you know, I love information security. It's something I've always been passionate about, but I'm still interested about how different sectors see it as cybersecurity, whereas I'm more mm. interested in the information security umbrella, mm. trying to grow all the little bits that make up that, that umbrella. And I get to do it all within the, um, within the uh, financial services industry. Yeah, interesting. Just so we're clear as well, IG Group. So, so mm -hmm. I imagine you're developing sort of applications and software and so on that allows people to manage money if i understood that correctly is that sort of how how that works well we offer we offer services to, to, mm. to our clients and there are some products where you know there are um, open applications out there with, where they can integrate with some of those services mm. um, effectively mm. the, in the majority it's over the counter type products um, within the within the trading within the trading uh, um, services so i think it's you know there are there are a few few companies like us i, th I think mm. what's maybe different is we do really focus you know we do you know more than half of our organization are technologists mm. and for me in my role as a CISO I mean it's a great challenge mm. it's great working with smart people mm. <laughs> but those smart people also keep my brain ticking over <laughs> um, I think it's some of their challenges to, to bring up new challenges I've got to try and solve so every day yeah. is different yeah. it's interesting also, that's interesting. If you're working with a company, because a lot of the speakers we have on Tice Talk are working with companies where, frankly, the rank and file employees are not techies. You know, they could be it could be a bookstore or something like that. The people you're working with, a lot of them are going to be techies. Is that a harder challenge? Do they often feel like they know security or they should know more or they know more about it? Than, <laughs> do you see what I mean? You have to kind of. Absolutely. I mean, I think. You know, I've worked, I think I've worked in all sectors over the years and, and what I found are different sectors, as I said, have a different view. You know, there are some sectors where information security might be technologists trying to do a bit of everything, you know, multi-hatted roles. Whereas definitely within the financial sector, um, you know, you need specific roles. Um, and I think the art of it is really trying to identify those who have strong views and try and help them become advocates. So bring them on board. So those, you know, I do listen to them. I think definitely mm -hmm. within the developer community, you know, they are, you know, you know my experience, there's, the, you know, these are the types of people that quite often are the, are the, the either the hackers, the white hats, you know, that, yeah, that we yeah. deal with. So I'm quite interested in understanding their views, where their ethics lie, what they mm. consider good, what they consider bad. I mean, yeah. what I can absolutely count on is they're definitely going to tell me what they think, <laughs> um, which is great. Um, which is great because I think yeah. in, historically it's a challenge where people don't want to talk about it maybe I'm a role that people don't want to come and talk to mm -hmm. um, but I think that's definitely something we've changed around and it's, it's it's not an issue for me now yeah interesting oh one last thing on IG group as well so I've understood this correctly do you in terms of your customers and your clients do you hold their money or is their money held elsewhere and you're helping them interact with it uh, yeah so 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 we have to 
you know we 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 hold we hold um client money we we have to but it's right. it's managed at arm's length obviously there's a lot of regulation about how we manage that yeah well that's the thing i was going to ask obviously that feeds into the regulation piece and i'm, I'm sure we'll come on to that in terms of, of stocks and how they work um but it, I, I want to talk first about um uh, some news this week uh, some cybersecurity news in terms of this is more on the sort of third party side um news this week that uh, there's been more research by microsoft bless their cotton socks into uh, russian svr fancy bear behavior actually svr's um, um cozy bear i believe um and their attacks on supply chains so this was reported in uh, which one was this ba -ba -ba. bleeping computer oh yes bleeping computer a stout publication others are available um but this i mean this is basically exposing the fact that it goes way beyond uh solo wins stefan I, I imagine this probably wasn't a surprise to you yeah i mean i think when i looked at this um i think three things came out straight away i mean i fit i think the first thing is just a reminder that that these groups are out there and they do have state-sponsored backing um you know I, I find that i still find it quite amazing how ethically how different areas of the world different countries have different views on how to do this and these groups are quite open okay i mean i, I I'm not surprised, but I still find it shocking. <laughs> I'm allowed to have those two emotions in one, but mm. um, and ultimately, you know, they're working to create wider disruption, um, which obviously, I think the way I look at it, perhaps cynically, is you know, I'm, I'm always saying, why are you doing it? What is your government or country or you know, alleged country got to mm. to, to gain out of this? Um, I mean, I think the second point that jumped out was the. You know, these targets in the majority are larger third parties now, so they're not necessarily mm. always going for the actual individual organization now. Mm. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I think in this case, it's an example of where I think it's changing. I think they're now going for bigger third party organizations that lots of organizations are dependent on. And obviously it causes, you know, if they get it right, it can cause wider disruption mm. um, down the chain. Mm. I think I think the third bit is this this idea of transparency between the organizations um, and actually the, 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 well, the service providers that are effective in the organizations that are using them. And I think, mm. I think this is where I was, I was going to really take it because I think within the financial sector, there's, there's a lot of scrutiny on vendor management and procurement, especially around third parties. So yeah. I think for the people on, you know, listening in, it's no surprise we need to do diligence on our third parties and it's also no surprise that if i say you're as strong as your weakest link you know these are things that we've come to know and love over the last few years however i think definitely where i've i've felt the pain is ultimately if i'm engaging a third party you know if i'm the controller of the data yeah um and i'm trusting a third party and i've done my diligence I do expect some transparent comms in return. What I've noticed in this case as well, that definitely, you know, with um, with one of the, the vendors involved, is whilst they're trying to figure out what's happened, ultimately I'm still liable for reporting a breach if it did affect me. Mm, trying mm. to get that relevant update is not there. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's, uh, I, I find that quite an awkward thing. I mean, another another example is... Um, so, so, so to drop so so do not Stefan when you say that that isn't there so are you saying that, that if organizations find out they've been breached or suppliers find out they've been breached um that you, you they're not telling you they're not not updating you or, or what are you not getting at them? I, I think what you tend to see are quite generic updates which I'd expect you know I, I think um you know as, as with our own organization if we have a crisis management plan you obviously you know I understand absolutely my role you could be careful about 
understanding the situation and very very careful about how you communicate what you communicate when you communicate mm. um you know there is we, we've all got to be careful about that but i think i think the balance i'm seeing here more and more especially when i'm target when, when the bad guys are targeting big third parties are we're all in the same pot you know i mm. i'm also I, you know, I'm saying, well, I've potentially got in the 72 hours to report a yeah. potential breach to the ICO because I'm based in the UK here, for example. Yeah. But actually, when I've not got a lot, I feel not comfortable to say anything. Mm. But potentially, I, I know I might be affected. And yeah. then in this particular, or in some cases like this, and similar examples, you know, I'm knocking on their door saying, well, can I have a bit more? Mm -hmm. It's even very hard to get through. So I think, I think, you know, a key message I would actually pose potentially to the regulators here is, you know, as I would in an organization, when things are really bad, we have an incident management team. Hmm. Actually, within the financial sector, could we not have a similar situation where if it was a major third party that's yeah, hit yeah. and affecting lots of organizations, could we not have like a bystander acting as that interface and doing the communications on their behalf? Because I was, I was going to say about that, you know, I, I feel your pain. But if you are a big supplier who's been hit and all of your customers are phoning you up, you're gonna, you know, it's that Absolutely. thing where you... You're having like 50 phone calls where you're effectively trying to give the same information out. So it's an interesting one. Um, just on the, uh, by the way, on the on the book translation, I will say that the two languages have been mentioned in the chat. So if you combine the, the, the various answers there, eventually one of you will get it. And no, it's not, Benjamin, it's not Icelandic. It's not being tra translated uh, into Icelandic. Oh, by the way, uh, guys, you might have seen um, uh, one of our guests, Sajid, there in the in the dressing back script, you've had a little glimpse backstage of uh, of, our, of one of our guests who uh, popped up there briefly on screen. We'll be getting to them very soon. Um, but Stefan, should we? Should we? It's really interesting. I mean, the third party stuff is really interesting. And have a look at that story about uh, the SVR. What's really interesting for me, from a journalist point of view, is um, the SVR. So that the, the Russian foreign intelligence hackers, known as Cozy Bear, tended not to get court. Uh, so for me, one of the really interesting things about this is the fact so much their infrastructure is being exposed now and they seem to be being, you know, um, as clumsy as some of their as clumsy as some of their bare colleagues uh, in, in Russia, if indeed we believe the attribution. But um, Stefan, let's let's talk about this, the SOC, the Secure, Secure Operations Center. I mean, I don't know how much you can say about IG Group, but do you have one internally? Is it outsourced? What's your sort of what's your setup? Yeah, so so yeah, we have um, we, we, we have a, a, an internal SOC. I mean, I think, um, again, you know, I've, I've sat in different sectors and I think the view of what's good, maybe that's a question again, we all ask, you know, what's good enough is quite difficult. It has been difficult within the cyber world. Um, you know, I, I started off my my my, um, my background started off in the um, security service type background. So I was you know, a, a mentor of long ago once said at the end of the day, it's not about the technology, it's about getting good data and getting good pay people to correlate it. And be able to spot the bad things happening mm. and i think in the back of my mind that's always been my mantra so when i think of a sock i think you know what's what's the capability of your organization what's separate professional security teams so i'm thinking the appsec the the i you know the access management the identity mm. access management the risk teams you know these are teams that might not exist in some organizations and once you've got that right i think the security operation who i see is the day-to-day -day spotting the bad things spotting those anomalies and then reporting the initial point of escalation mm. that's when you can figure out how big you need it i mean at the end of the day I, I think my view is you know i've had experience with both external and internal socks i personally still prefer internal socks only because i still believe that 
if you can get the education and understanding right, they're always going to provide a more maximum benefit because when things mm. happen, they've got more context around yeah. it. Um, and I, I, I guess the last thing I'd say say to your question as well is, you know, of course, I, you can scale a SOC as well. I mean, it's not just about pretty monitors on a wall. You do need mm. those teams looking at it. But I think it's also about making sure you've got the right skill sets focused on the identification, investigation, escalation. You know, I think mm. in smaller organizations that can be one person, but I think a really good performing SOC, you probably have two or three layers at least and sort of right. an escalation through it. Right. It's interesting, actually, Alan has asked a question, which is which is absolutely on point on this. What would be the practices and organizational prerequisites to have a SOC? So if you're putting a SOC in place, what's the sort of foundations that you need in order to do that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think it's really understanding the sector you're in, understanding. And, and, and what I mean by that is, are you going to be a target for attack? Um, mm. I mean, it goes maybe as a sideline answer here, it goes back to the transparency you have with a regulator. I think within the financial sector, I've got a really good transparency and communication with our regulator. So it means that if we see activity, I have a method of, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on a formal method sharing and seeing if this is something that's being more widely seen in the industry. Right. Um, that's really important when you're looking at a SOC, because actually, if you think you're going to, you know, if, if you're in an active ground where you, it's a typical day to day where you're going to see attacks. Definitely, you need to start thinking about good monitoring. Is good that sorry to, sorry to interrupt, Stefan? Are you talking there about information coming in? Like, if you're going to set up a SOC, you need to you need to work on the flows of information in, for example, from the regulator or information sharing or whatever. No, I think it was just uh, sorry. <laughs> I, I just um, I think one of the things I would do is just understand the context of the industry you're in. Right, you know, right. you're in an industry where nobody really cares. Because that sets ultimately straight away your you know your your justification for having a sock because they're not cheap. Hmm. Um, I think as you you know in the industry I'm in, it's definitely there. As soon as we connect into services, we know we're a target. Hmm. So I think straight. So so do we need a sock? Is not a not a you know it's not a problem for me. I think then it's about understanding size and scale. Is it twenty four by seven? Hmm. Are you going to have the money and the resources to to build something on premise or actually do you only have an option of going out? So I think hmm. these are questions that we have gone through when we've been growing yeah. our security operations center. But again, yeah. I think a, a key point I'll go back to is once you've answered all these questions, context, just just a personal view, but context for me is huge. I mean, I've worked with both external and internal. I think when I've worked with external, um, there's always been a time where it's just lacked the context and maybe they could have done something a bit quicker. Right, Whereas I've never really had that issue when I've got them within my direct control. Because they're a bit closer to the it's closer to the to the knitting, as it were. That's a good. Um, should we do a poll? I wonder if our Thai self, who, who beavers away uh, uh, willfully, manfully in the background, sorting everything out for us. I wonder if we could do a poll for our Thai self. Um, money, no object. Money, no object. Would you prefer internal or external sock? And I know the answers. It depends, and I know money isn't. It's always an object. I know, I know. But let's just let's just throw that out there and see what people say. Um, by the way, on the languages, a good thought from Danny. I take it that's Hebrew. I'm going to guess at that. Uh, but still, nobody's actually come up with the winning combinations. As I say, the the two are in there. You just have to combine them and eventually get there. Otherwise, I might just give it away to somebody who got close. Um, so yes, in our poll, you can see the poll tab at the top, and you can vote on whether you prefer uh, internal or external. Uh, as your sock. And as I say, it's I know it's a sort of a straw man of an argument, but uh, I'm going to bring in 
our other uh, panelists because we've got another question actually from Danny. Um, so folks, let's let's bring in our other, sorry, I always get carried away with this and forget, but we've got other panelists, of course, Sajid Nassim, who's Chief Information Security Officer at New Jersey Courts, and Stephen Moore, Steve Moore, who's Vice President and Chief Security Strategist at Exabeam. Uh, hello to both of you uh, who are joining us from wherever they're joining us, presumably New Jersey for, <laughs> uh, for them. Um, in terms of the uh, internal or external, internal is pitching ahead at the moment, uh, external falling behind a little bit. Sajid, uh, hello, uh, good morning, I take it to you. How are you? Good morning, I appreciate you having me, thank you. Good, really good to have you on. Uh, and for folks who, I mean, I, I hope all of our viewers know where New Jersey is, Sajid, but the New Jersey court system, I mean, how big are we talking uh, here? Yeah, I appreciate it, uh, Jeff. Uh, so New Jersey is uh, obviously just across the river from New York. Uh, so in terms of the court system, it's quite a large uh, organization here. Uh, we're talking about uh, about thirteen to 14,000 employees uh, for the court. Uh, in addition to that, our footprint, I mean, the way that the courts work is they are, uh, you know, it's a judiciary branch, so it's a branch of government. And, and so our uh, user base is... Uh, essentially about 30 to 40,000 uh, police officers and about 125,000 uh, law, like basically lawyers who are running mm. law firms. So in terms of our employees, and then we also have some exec um, federal government uh, users. So, I mean, the user base is like 200,000 plus, mm. and uh, there's quite a lot of activity going on in terms of the um, coordination for the state. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, so, G, can I stay with you on that? I know there's been a project in the UK to digitise all of our court material, because if you go into courts, particularly criminal courts in the UK, which occasionally I do, there are these binders that they give every jury member, and well, several binders often, and there's an attempt to try and digitise all that information, which obviously, informationally is a challenge, but security-wise, a huge challenge. For the New Jersey courts, is everything digitised? It's still on paper? Where, where, where do you sit? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I appreciate it. It's the fundamentals of what it is. The New Jersey courts actually started to digitize records many decades ago. Uh, they've actually always used computers to a certain extent, but I think the front facing, if you actually walked into a court system, you would have had people with files and all this other stuff, which still to a certain extent is there, uh, largely because lawyers like to work off of their paperwork. <laughs> but the but the behind the scenes in terms of filing the paperwork, and we have something called e-courts. Bottom line, you go to a website, you file, um, you know, a child custody matter, a uh, tax matter, uh, mm. criminal matter or civil matter, you know, all of those things are there. Uh, we've also opened up uh, the court system from a filing matter electronically to about seven and a half million uh, New Jersey residents. So mm. pro se, right, people who are doing it on their own. All right. Interesting. Really interesting. Um, Sajid, thank you for that. Uh, Stephen, how, how, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing very well, thank you. I actually had a, uh, right before I was going on, uh, my internet briefly went out. So I'm oh. very glad to be here uh, digitally. So I'm glad I can return. These these things happen. It's uh, it's the curse of our modern age. But uh, Stephen, quickly tell us about Exabeam uh, very quickly for those of us who, who haven't heard. Yeah, so uh, I, don't, I may have missed my own introduction. Uh, apologies. Uh, I'm Steve Moore, uh, Chief Security Strategist at Exabeam. Uh, we're a leader in the SIM and XDR space. Uh, I came to know uh, Exabeam actually as a customer and then an advisor uh, looking to solve problems actually after um, having a, a, a very big breach uh, said very plainly uh, we're focused on helping the defender 
build things, build capital that will help them in defense and uh, the eradication of adversaries. So one of the things I learned uh, paying outside consultants, you know, for building of timelines uh, for breach reporting. And that's one of the things we do is we, we build timelines. Uh, so I wanted to buy that and be able to reuse it. And that's ultimately what that almost that sole use case um, on top of machine learning and a bunch of other great things that we do looking at lateral movement, which uh, credential theft, which will you talked a bit uh, with our uh, uh, Russian group mentioned earlier. So having capabilities that are adversary aligned, which you'll hear me talk a lot about, uh, but we're yeah, primarily in the in the SIM and XDR space. Interesting. Stephen, can I stay with you on this? Because it's interesting. Our poll, we, we did a little poll about whether people would, if money was no object, whether they prefer their, their SOC to be internal or external. And, and internal has, has definitely come out ahead. 61% uh, would rather it was internal. What, what, what do you make of that? Well, I'd, I'd kind of like to know what the, the, the other 39, why they didn't want it internal. Um, <laughs> I wonder if that's just sort of the not having to, to, to trouble with it, right? To not have the, the stress of building one because it's a... Mm. A lot of work uh, to create and build, and that's what I spent a lot of my career doing. So, uh, before joining Exabeam, I spent you know all my time uh, working in analytic capabilities, building them, leading them, and mm -hmm. acting as an analyst in them. Prior to that, um, I, I think depending on your organization, uh, I want to be very sure on my ability to detect and primarily respond. And so, failures will occur. Uh, I want to have high degree of assurance uh, that that capability is. Is as much inside as it can be. Uh, typically, we see a hybrid, right? So it's mm. partially outsourced, partially insourced. Part of it's managed by someone mm. else. Mm. Um, but I, I think that you need this sort of um, tribal knowledge that exists in response. You have mm. to have owners internal that understand the business processes and the goals of the organization. You can't just throw it all over the wall and see success. Even organizations that offer great services uh that even have sort of the r at the end in response ultimately there's still going to be somebody back in the company that's managing sort of the cleanup and the eradication and as we right. mentioned earlier stefan mentioned uh all of the the messaging that when a failure occurs is owned by that ciso or the member of of the SOC, where right. you're having to do client-facing management so you still sort of own ultimately you still own the pain do you also own the capability, right? And so yeah, yeah. You, it, there's no one sort of formula, but um, I would want to own a good majority, but also lean on those that have yeah. expertise uh, when needed. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I like the phrase tribal knowledge. That goes back, I think, to what Stefan was talking about, about the fact that people in your organization understand your organization. There's a question coming from Danny, which is an interesting one. Stefan, I wondered if I could come to you with this first. Uh, question is, can you realistically establish a SOC with the authority to make a difference? where information security bods have failed. So he says MITRE puts politics and authority at the top of its list. So what, you know, what's the point of the SOC if there's other areas that aren't, that aren't doing so well? Does the question make sense to you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great question. Um, and as you can tell, I'm unplanned for that particular <laughs> one. I think, I think my, 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 my transparent answer is it's never a, it's never a perfect situation. All right. I think, mm. I think just stretching on what Stephen just said, I think I know what information I have to hand. I know mm. the relationships I have with our vendors. Um, it actually goes back to something um, I, I firmly believe in. So information security for me is an umbrella across the top, right? And all the sub bits of which I would say cyber is one crucial bit. The amount of bits though depends on the type of organization you're in. So where I'm at the moment, we have lots of those bits. We have lots of sub departments. And again, I'll use developers, you know, 
we are spending a lot of time and effort in empowering our developers to be part of that defense mechanism. So whilst they are not what I'd say professional security team members, but actually I am looking for them to identify ways that they can be part of that escalation chain. So I guess what I'm saying is, is my role, is my job to look at the up and the out hmm. and try and address those problems. And I said, it's not a perfect world, but I've got a decent amount of oversight, whether it's external landscape and in, and that keeps bobbing about. But actually, within the within the SOC, it's not just the SOC. You know, the SOC is informed by an awful lot of teams. So whilst mm. I would say the SOCs are the eyes and ears, mm. but actually they don't spot everything. You know, I mean, we have a we have a sim. Um, we put a lot of effort into that, and it's constantly being adapted for the organisation and for new systems and for changes. But actually, I'm equally as informed by the developers or by the identity access management or by the yeah, HR. Yeah. And I think that takes a lot of work and it's never a done journey. But I think the better what I'm finding is, you know, as I go along that journey, the more effort I put in, it does help at some point in the way it comes out. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, by the way, Benjamin has, has put in a, a, a quote in the chat, which is a comment in the chat, which is interesting. He says he voted for an external SOC. Uh, and Stephen sort of said, well, you know, what, why would you do that? He says, for my organization, the benefit of outsourcing the SOC function, the scale of their other clients reduces the risk of me and my SOC missing something, which is an interesting point. Sajid, can I come to you as well on this? I mean, we should have addressed this. In, yeah. in your situation, is, is all of your SOC stuff internal? Do you have some external? What's your setup? Yeah, so our stuff is um, internal. But however, I'm going to say something uh, important here, I think, from my standpoint, we are not in a world right now where, you know, where we can't we can't afford to not share information with each other, right? So even if my SOC is external, there are partners that we're working with. Essentially, they're like to me almost an almost like a extension of the SOC to mm. a certain extent, you know, to, to to get information. For example, we do some work with anomalous network behavior because we're dealing with governments and all that. That essentially, there's part aspects of the SOC that are with the vendor. And what we do is do significant work around contracts, around what they're doing, how they're connecting to us, how they're dealing with it. Because, you know, especially after we saw the uh, solar winds breach and all this other stuff, um, you know, we're just not in that world where you just say, well, give some one thing away or forget about it. We're in a world where you got to pay attention, right? So the contracts matter. Um, you know, we look at encryption in specific ways. We try to make sure that our government data is protected, you know, as best mm. as we can. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Just looking at the chat and I've managed to simultaneously do two things in the chat. I've got people commenting about different languages the book might be translated into. Ali said trial and error would lead to German and French. Uh, sorry, it's neither <laughs> German nor French, so I don't know where that could. But also we've got chat obviously going on about socks. And actually, interesting, Sajid, to your point, Danny said here, Nirvana, Nirvana would be, and Nirvana is a network of socks all sharing, which internal socks hate to save embarrassment. Threats are shared. It's a shame intelligence isn't, except for some notable monolithic relationships. So it, it, it's interesting. Let's talk about, because I'm aware we, we haven't really talked about the kind of relevance issue. And Stephen, I wondered about, I was thinking about that, because talking about the relevance of a sock, it's like relevant to whom? To the person who's running the sock, it might be one thing. But if you're trying to report to somebody else, which which whose relevance do you think is the most important one for a SOC? Yeah, and there's a lot of ways you could cut this. Uh, when I say relevance, or when I think about relevance, the first is is measuring against uh, adversary alignment, so adversary capabilities. So relevance is what's the adversary that, uh, as it applies to your corporation, 
Uh, what are they likely to do? Uh, how do they achieve success? And what's your ability to understand, uh, detect, manage, respond, eradicate? And so if you know that there's a certain level of, of a problem that you're likely to be faced, um, if you're not going through that exercise, um, you will very likely fail. And if, and, and if your organization isn't responding, you mentioned something earlier, uh, it's often harder to get uh, cooperation. You talk about that MITRE uh, pyramid. Cooperation is often much harder to get than a million dollars uh, in our field, right? And so that's, if there's an issue at the top, you're only, you, you have to then try to build great capabilities and then measure the adoption of that great capability. So build, build what you think is the best and then hold everyone else accountable to the adoption of that. But my other two points I'll make on relevance. So first adversary capability and your alignment to it. So are you adversary aligned? Um, the next is what's your ability based on incidents you've observed and managed and cleaned up? The lessons learned out of that, what's your ability to enact influence on the organization back into the organization as sort of an OTA loop uh, both near term and more proximal. So I need to make a change in my environment right now to, to return myself to a known good state, plus a tweak to keep the adversary out. Can I do that? What's my ability mm. to do that at scale? Also, what's the thing that might take a million dollars in a year and cooperation? I know I've got a gap based on observations through incidents. So that's the second piece. And the third to me and is a little higher level is what stories do you tell out of your sock? What's your ability to tell stories via images, pictures, or true storytelling, including uh, incident sharing, right? Intel sharing. And who do you tell that story to, right? So I'm beginning to frame out kind of a storyboard here. If I'm going to go in and, and interview an organization about the, the efficacy of their sock, I want to talk to the executive over that, over those three areas. And then everything else kind of trickles down from there. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Stefan, can I come to you on that? Mm -hmm. uh, does, does what Stephen said there, ring bells with you or do you think among the things he described those three things he described there's one that for you is actually you know really at the front no i mean 100 percent agree i mean i've got a great example of that so so again i've been in the financial sector now seven years and um if we go beyond two years ago you know if our sock had seen an incident i think there's still a view within the financial industry i want to keep things close to heart you know mm. it might be affecting the other industry, but i can't speak to anybody Whereas, you know, I now attend a quarterly meeting that's chaired by a regulator and you have peers at that. We have the NCSE there. We have the Bank of England there. And it's great because the whole idea is they have a Chatham House forum where we can talk and share. And actually what the regulators now doing, they've been running it for probably um, about 18 months, is an ability to escalate. Now, it's not something to be abused, but actually our SOC now has a method of engaging into them. And actually, it, it allows us to start having a conversation via that interface with other peers. Mm. Um, you know, there was something that happened last year where we saw it. It wasn't impacting us, but we saw it. We reported it. And actually, within the next 24 hours, we found out that North America, that Singapore, were all getting hit with the same thing. Right. And that allowed us as a collective. And I, and I think it's what Sajid was saying. I think at the end of the day, we've got to accept that if something hits, in this case, we were talking about third parties, something hits that, it affects all of us in some way shape or form now well that's the situation we're in and it's only going to be more like that so i think we've got to find healthier ways and maybe it's going to be sector driven um but find better ways where we can yes escalate and actually have a chat yeah. and i think the better we do that the better we can actually gear up for defending ourselves because i'm not just defending rg we're defending our industries right yeah so G, can i come to you on that um because an interesting point uh Stephen makes about the idea of a sock telling a story um, is that something that you do you look for in terms of the results, how they're being presented, and the data you get? Uh, is is have you 
Apology for yeah, you. so actually, I heard, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I hadn't thought about it that way, so I appreciate the, the 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 about the storytelling part. But yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we're in the world now where I mean, you're telling stories by looking at data and trying to explain it in like basic words, you know. Hmm. I mean, one of the things I, I've said before is if you looked hmm. at the last several several breaches, the ones we've seen in New York recently, the New York City Law Department, uh, then why, you know, the 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 bank. And then you also saw solar winds. People just leaving users open. I mean, my joke mm -hmm. is that you could just hire somebody, call them, right-click, disable person, right? I mean, so <laughs> even if you had a little practice where you're just watching the users come in, in and out of the organization, you know, and making sure that they're closed properly, we did a thing in front of the Supreme Court. This is it reached our levels at that level, right? Where the Supreme Court hearing it, we said, look, uh, we're a union shop here. It's a big thing. When we didn't, we're not adversarial. Uh, we actually wanted peace without war, actually. We were looking for that. But we said, look, uh, next month, if your users are left open for 10 days or whatever number you've left them open, we're going to seek discipline from all the unions and we're, we're going to get them on board, right? And the whole idea was compliance. We're not trying to like hurt anybody, but that's the kind of thing. So if the SOC can tell a story as simple mm. as a user, a human comes into your organization, there's a computer user created, it travels through the organization and it leaves the organization. The Supreme Court will even listen and acknowledge it and willing to work on it. Right. And these mm -hmm. are seasoned professionals and complicated people who are dealing with complex matters. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it can help in the right way. It can help present a good picture and a simple picture as well. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I had a question come from, um, from Benjamin in the chat. Um, uh, so in the Q and a, um, Socks can share information internally and externally. They can cooperate or not. But here's the question, which is interesting. How do you know that what you built in terms of an internal sock is any good? <laughs> which is quite an interesting question. Like, how do you, you know, um, Stephen, have you got any sort of views on that? Yeah, um, I think that if you're looking for a tactical answer, uh, one of the things I would argue is, um, you know, look at, Look at uh, look at MITRE and look at the attack framework. Look at the methods for lateral movement. There's 16 or 17 different sort of methods within that uh, that somebody could use to enact uh, a form of lateral movement. Ask yourself, how many of those can you see at a foundational level? Meaning um, whether it's something from the core authenticator or something from PowerShell, what do you do you collect those logs? What can you see? We know that lateral movement sort of living off the land uh, is very common. So does your SOC have the ability to identify lateral movement? Plain and simple. Don't care what you buy. Don't care what, right? Can you see lateral movement or not? Can you see hops? Can you see credential shifts from one to the other? And this is just one of many different, um, what's your ability to see beaconing? Does your SOC understand uh, the concept? Talking, if you want to talk about ransomware, for example, uh, precursor malware. Do you know what precursor malware is? Does your SOC have the ability to identify that, knowing that other more bad things come downstream? So we care about ransomware. All right, uh, we say that. But do we know how to manage it? Do we know the other causes of ransomware? Like th things like these initial access brokers that have credentials that they're reselling, um, you know, methods of, you know, can you identify credential theft? Mm -hmm. um, you know, things like that. Um, you know, how quickly can you uh, create an artifact that helps in the resolution of, a, of an incident or, or, or a, a breach of some kind? Mm -hmm. How quickly can you ask and answer questions of your environment? So ask your SOC team members, What's the worst part of your job? And then mm -hmm. shut up and listen and say, hey, like, how long does it take you to perform these tasks? Mm -hmm. So those are, I've got higher level uh, 
points, but I, I'll stop there. Uh, those are some things I would key on um, yeah. right out of the gate. Okay. Uh, Stefan, anything to add to that? Uh, sounds like quite a sensible <laughs> way of going at it. Not simple, but sensible way from uh, from Stephen there. Yeah, again, I mean, I agree with everything Stephen said. I mean, we, we you know, we didn't, as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day. I think the phrase is, well, socks aren't built in a day either. I mean, I would say it's better to also start off sensibly, understand a point you want to get to. And you can test, you, you know, there are ways of testing it. I mean, when our sock was smaller, um, we used some third parties to help us. Mm. Um, I mean, as it's got bigger, you can do capture the flags. You know, you can do yeah. the, this is the idea of purple teaming. Um, if you really want to surprise them, you can do the red teaming. There, there are, I guess what I'm saying to the audience is there are different levels, but don't do too much too soon. I mean, what, what's important is you understand your environment. So it's probably, it's really powerful if you can create a situation, see if you can spot something happening, moving mm. across your network. Once you do that, you can figure out where do you want to go next? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Carrie, by the way, Carrie said in the chat in response to Stephen's uh, taxonomy there, list there, if the answer to all those is broadly speaking, yes, does that make us good in your eyes? I suspect Stephen's, Stephen's response would be, it would be a start, I guess, Stephen. Well, it certainly allows you uh, that, hey, we have the ability at the at the lowest foundation, do we, do we have the ability to gather uh, the log or the the event that allows us to try to have success. And so uh, just because you say yes to that uh, sort of periodic table of, of attack things doesn't mean you're good. It just means you can see, hmm. right? Hmm. So it may, it may check that sort of maturity box that you can see it all, but it doesn't yet mean that you have a high degree of efficacy. Efficacy hmm. is, you know, maturity is knowing how to read about how to, how to box. Hmm. You've read all the books on how to box. Efficacy is actually being able to get, in the ring and <laughs> have you developed your lungs and can you take a hit and all the rest, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 the, it's yes to the first part, no to the second. Okay. All right. Uh, sorry, Carrie, <laughs> maybe not what you were wanting to hear, but as a good start anyway. Um, so G, can I just come back to you because I'm interested in this, this information sharing from SOX. Um, obviously you're part of the for government network. Uh, to what extent, can you share, you know, does all the government stuff get shared at one level and can't really go down into private industry that far or, or, or can you share some some of this information? Yeah, so that's a that's an excellent question. I mean, that's right on a key area there. And it can it can get hairy because uh, governments are trying to be like independent branches of government. Right. I mean, that's their thing that has changed digitally. Because now that's one thing to talk about legally in those borders. So you have the legislature that's creating the laws. You have the police department that are enforcing the laws. And then you have the court systems that are um, es essentially adjudicating, right? Mm. And depending on where you go, I mean, New Jersey, there could be towns where people don't even understand that. They, they think they're just walking into a jail basically everywhere they think, right? I mean, so you have different, different things going on. So, and even you're gonna have staff that don't understand their basic civics and don't understand, you know, what's sharing, what's not sharing. So sometimes they think no sharing at all, right? But again, we can't live in that world. You have to understand this through the right lens here. So with that backdrop, as an example, in New Jersey, our network is connected to the police departments of New Jersey. We know for a fact, specific ransomwares have hit New Jersey law enforcement. We saw mm -hmm. Blue Leaks, I believe it's called Blue Leaks from two, a summer or so back which uh, revealed the identities of and um, uh, misbehavior, let's say, of 700,000 cops across the United States in different places, okay? Mm -hmm. And that was at the same time as the Black Lives uh, Matter movement. So you have all of these clashes and things that are going on. 
I believe that was done by the hacking group Anonymous, right? All of these things are going on. So we know for a fact that our law enforcement par partners are under attack. We know that for a fact. How do we know that? We're on the same network. We see it, right? right? Mm -hmm. Time to time, we will see things on the law enforcement network about ransomware that we have to pick up and say, dude, you got a problem here. You got to look at it. Even though mm -hmm. we're not their direct whatever, right? Mm -hmm. We're not, you know, the same branch yeah. of government. On the flip side, um, lawyers in the state of New Jersey are sort of accredited by our Supreme Court where I work, right? And so what winds up happening is they're essentially officers of the court. However, they are LLCs or they're, meaning they're companies. They're not, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? They're not, you know, however, they yeah. have to like work with us, essentially. Uh, we have seen law firms get hit with ransomware where we know before they know that they have a ransomware because they have already sent the ransomware to all the law firms and judiciary. And we're seeing more about them. So we have taken a position that if we see things, although we're not in a position to give them any advice, we will tell, let them know that there's something going on. We're mm -hmm. shutting you down and you need mm -hmm. to look at it. We won't give you any advice. So we definitely share threat intelligence with different partners that are there. And there's even local, local people that we share information with. Yeah, Once we have it. Interesting. Um, fascinating stuff. Uh, we could talk socks all, all day, I'm sure, but we are running uh, up against time. Um, so I want to thank our panelists. It's been a really, really good discussion. There's Stefan Trelaw, who's Chief Information Security Officer at IG Group. Uh, Sajid Nassim, who's Chief Information CISO at New Jersey Courts. And Stephen Moore, who's Vice President and Chief Security Strategist at Exabeam. Their LinkedIn profiles are in the chat, uh, so you can uh, uh, connect with them all on LinkedIn. By the way, nobody actually got the answers to the uh, two translation languages. It was, in fact, Russian and basic Chinese, Chinese basic. Um, but I'm going to give the free mug uh, our Thai self, who, as I say, does a fantastic job. Thank you, Thai self, coordinating all of this stuff. I'm going to ask our Thai self to give the mug. I liked Simon uh, Simon Yakan's uh, answer, which was translating it to Fortran and Basic. Uh, that would be the day when that happens. Uh, sadly, not. So I don't think my publishers are up to that. Um, but listen, it's been fantastic. Uh, 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 debate fantastic conversation as always on uh tice as i say we will be back on thursday at 4 p.m when renee millman is going to be talking about leading remote incident response and crisis simulation at 4 p.m back on this platform thanks again to our panelists sajid uh, stefan and stephen thanks to our tice uh, elf and we'll see you all again on another tice talk soon cheerio thank you guys be safe out there bye bye thank you to our host jeff white stefan trelaw chief information security officer at ig group Sajid Nassim, Chief Information Security Officer at New Jersey Courts, and Stephen Moore, Vice President and Chief Security Strategist at Exabeam. Thank you to everyone who joined us live and yourself for listening to this podcast. To join us live or to catch up with previous Tice Talk episodes, please visit www.tice.co.uk forward slash talk.